KBCS is powered by listeners just like you. Support this and other KBCS stories, interviews, and highlights by donating at our website, kbcs.fm. 91.3 KBCS Community Radio since 1973. I'm Lucy Berginski. The United Nations has recorded Burma's genocide of the Rohingya people from October 2016 to January 2017. Then again, starting August 2017 through the present. According to a United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees report from May 2023, conditions have still been highly volatile in a number of regions with airstrikes, shellings, and torchings of homes and villages. Mohamed Imran is a Rohingya refugee from Burma. Imran escaped the Burmese government's persecution when his parents arranged for him to flee to Malaysia when he was 12 years old. KBCS's Laura Flores and Yuko Kadama spoke with Imran in 2022. Hi, everyone. My name is Mohamed Imran. I am originally from Burma. I am a Rohingya. Rohingya is a group of people who live in northern Rakhine State. It's like a new name. Older one is called the Arkhane State. Rohingya is a one ethnic group, but it, Burmese government does not recognize Rohingya as a citizen of Burma. I was born in a small house with bamboo because Rohingya people does not have enough money to build a big house. Also, they need the permission to build the house. And life was pretty difficult for my family in my villagers because most of people does not have enough money to afford enough food to buy for the family because of minimum wage and political conflict. Rohingya people does not have access to education. There is no electricity, there is no TV. My parents find some human trafficker to send me to from Burma to Malaysia. Human trafficker told my parents that the trip was seven days to come from Burma to Malaysia, but it was a lie. It took five months. And one day I packed my clothes and I left the house and I separated to my family and my friend. It was probably one of the most difficult time in my life. And I left the house. I walk about like eight or nine miles and I went to a small boat and I transferred to the bigger boat and the boat was really, really big. And I saw that inside the boat, there was lots of people who are coming from Burma to Malaysia illegally. And somehow it takes very, very long time for people to come from Burma to Malaysia. And there, after a few weeks later, people get crazy. Like they does, there's no enough food to eat. There is no clean water. The children, most of them are like underage. They are crying. I was so emotional. And few weeks later, like people have started dying. I, I saw so many people died in the boat and people died. They just like, throw it on the water and I was really really emotional I was thought like oh my god what kind of decision in my parents make for me to sending me to Malaysia but I also proud that I left the Burma because Burma is also very dangerous for Rohingya people Rohingya are always targeted is 
at the evening, at night, people are not able to go outside because Burmese military shoot it and kill for no reason. And I was very emotional on that time. And after five months, somehow the boat would end up in the nearby Thailand in a sea. So people was walk and somehow like all the people disappeared. I was very weak and I young and I walk like long hour. Somehow I end up with one restaurant. I don't know what country was. I don't know anything about like outside of my village in back home. So at the evening, restaurant manager asked me, what is your name and like, why are you here? But I don't understand what was he saying because he asking me with, with Malaysian language and I didn't say anything to him. And he called the police and after police came, they tried to handcuff me and handcuff was coming out because my hand was so skinny. I haven't took a shower for like five months and haven't eat. I was having like long hair, long fingernail, very smelly. And they detained me in detention center. I saw lots of other Rohingya kids too. Detention condition was unbearable. It was really difficult. They don't feed properly. Sometimes the immigration came. They banned it on the cage. They don't let them sleep treat people like animals and they beat one of my toes I still getting kind of suffering I still have to go to see the, the doctor it was very horrible a few months later a representative for the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees Office or the UNHCR came to the camp and interviewed Imran and the other detainees about why they went to Malaysia and I told them what's going on in in my home country, Burma, there is war, there is violence. I was escaped the genocide. Eventually, the UNHCR went back to get him out of the detention center. They sent Imran to a UNHCR school where he met lots of other refugee kids. Imran describes the conditions there. How was it for you uh, in Malaysia after you were able to, you were released? Oh, it was fantastic, actually. UN provided me food and they provide shelter to the children who uh, who does not have a parents. There was other refugee kids too, like from around the world. I saw there is lots of refugee kids from Afghanistan, from Burma, from Somalia, from other Pakistan, from other lots of country. Somehow, and I connect my family after a year later, my family was really, really happy. I able to contact my family. In my family, thought I was a died, and they was kind of very shocked. And they said, "Oh, we thought you are a die." I applied to come to the United States by the UN UNHCR, and they tell me going to United States is not that easy. They gave me many other options. I told them I'm just going to the United States. In 2016, they tell me that, oh, you, everything is ready. You will be sending you to the United States. In November 1st, I came to the United States in Seattle. The flight was very long. I was never been to plane in my life. On that time, I was just 14 years old. I feel like I don't know where I'm getting into. I was really scared. My social worker and my foster mom 
they picked me up from Seattle airport. This was the first time I see like American people and I was kind of scared because I on that time I was not able to speak a word of English or anything. One of the best part I would be remember like rest of my life. After second day, my mom take me to high school. There was like lots of people surrounded by me. Like people ask me, what is your name? Where you come from? Why you come here? They asked me lots of questions, but I didn't understand. I, I, I was still understand what was they saying, like no idea what are they saying. But I really see like their unconditional love and enthusiastic. I thought, oh, this is the right place for me. Wow, that's such a powerful story. Thank you so much for sharing. You mentioned that when you were a child, you uh, and your family lived in a poorer community. So what are the first things that you noticed when you were a child about your community being violated? When, when were you first aware that things were not okay? And in my neighbor, there is some other part of the area where like Burmese people live, they have like a very luxury house, like some kind of TV. If Rohingya go to market, they always get targeted because of the religion and the skin color. Somehow like in Burmese military and Burmese government does not like the Rohingya people at all. They use the name of Kala is like a derogatory term. It's like pretty much me you are meaningless and they call you are Bengali. Bengali mean you you guys came from somewhere else. You are from not here. Just go back to Bangladesh. How's the environment now for your family? In 2017, they face genocide. Lots of people died. Sadly, there's lots of people died, my friend, many of other family members who died from genocide. And recently, Biden administration declared that it was a genocide. Since then, since 2017, my family leave. I really miss them. It has been a long time. I really miss my parents' love. Absolutely. I mean, I'm also, I'm not from here. I'm from Colombia. And I haven't seen my family in four years. And it's, I mean, I understand how painful that can be. So what are your dreams? What are your goals now that you're in the U.S., that you're, you know, you're pursuing your education, you had a scholarship and you have all these paths and all these choices that you can make now? Actually, in my goal, even I was younger, I always dream of changing things. To make it happen, I want to help my community. I, I want to help the people who around the world who need it. Right now, in this moment, I am looking forward to uh, spend rest of my life to helping people, especially Rohingya people, because Rohingya people are dying to be seen. Lots of people help me to get to this point. I am willing to give back to my community and to helping people too. too. So you have this amazing story, this powerful story. And just like you, there are so many people out in the world trying to escape their, you know, genocides and, and bad situations that happen in their home countries. So what is one piece of advice or maybe some words of encouragement or words that you want to say to 
you know, those maybe children or families that might be listening and, you know, have some, you know, situation like this or relatives in their home countries. Yeah. What are those words that you would like to tell them? I face lots of difficulty in my life, but sometimes difficulty can make us stronger and wiser. And I would say like, try hard. If you have an opportunity, please like try to talk about it and bring awareness to community. You never know who can lead you the right path. I have a couple of questions. You were saying that you will be contributing to your community. What are some ways that you're interested in doing that? Rohingya are completely stateless. They does not have any documentation. When Rohingya people escape the violence, when they go to other country, the country is instead of helping them, they detained and those refugee year after year refugee camps right now condition is really bad it's like overcrowded in a small area leave over a million Rohingya people and there are lots of crime lots of conflict going on people like to going back to home country but the Burmese military does not allow anybody to going back home my main goal in my future plan is to see what kind of advice or help we can provide to the Rohingya people in Bangladesh refugee camp. How can we Rohingya people live as a real people instead of a stateless? Tell me a little bit more about the letter writing campaign. How do you do that? And what was that for? So I did like lots of letter writing campaign in high school, but I'm still doing it. I will be doing more in the future. Letter writing campaign, I was in 2017 and I heard loss of my friend, my some of other family members died from genocide, like thousands of thousands of people died. And I was thought, oh my gosh, I have the opportunity here and I can do write the letter to the, our US government to see if there is any way we can put them sanction to the Burmese military to stop doing this kind of violence to innocent people. I create the website. So people can sign it. So in a cafeteria, I put the computer and I put the poster on it. They said, hey, my name is Muhammad Imran. I am from Burma. There is this kind of violence going on in my home country. Please sign the letter to support those people to, to survive the from in Burmese military attack. And a student came and they signed it. It was like a huge line from the back. There was like a seven or eight computer. It was quite effective, actually. I wrote, a, I think over four or 5,000 letter. I did like letter writing campaign almost every month, like almost like 1,200 letter. I sent it to the Congressman Adam Smith office and Maria Canwell office, other in state department. I told them, give the fund to the Rohingya refugees in Bangladesh and put the sanction to the Burmese military. And actually they did. I, I feel really proud of that. About a year ago, uh, US government give like fund to over $700 million to Rohingya camp in Bangladesh. So how old were you when you did that? I was 17, 16. So it's a letter writing campaign is something that you do on the computer. You set up the letter and then people sign it then. I talked to one of my history teacher 
and he helped me to like set up everything. So anybody can sign it, just putting the their name on it and email. Wow. So you have a template that then they sign and then it automatically goes out to the different political offices? Is exactly. Yes. When they sign it, then the office gets a one separate email each time. Yes. Yes. Okay. And it goes out to them electronically. So that means they're getting a lot of emails. Oh, yes. They got lots of email. Yes, they did. United Nations High Commissioner for Refugee described it. Rohingya is one of the most persecuted minority in the world. And with they have no education. It's like, in my opinion, in Burmese military able to do like this horrible stuff to the Rohingya people because of Rohingya does not have the education. There is nobody know like what should they do and how can they create the community and fight back with knowledgeable ways. And they are pretty scared to even like saying anything. I feel like world is completely fell on the protecting Rohingya genocide because the genocide has happened many, many times in the past, but it's still happening. And I think Rohingya would be long-term solution would be convincing Burmese military, Burmese government to agree that they want to give back citizenship to Rohingya people and let them stay in the country as peacefully as possible, not creating fight and conflict. I believe that if Rohingya people stay in longer in the Bangladesh refugee camp, there is over 700,000 children. If they don't have education, I'm very worried for the children because when they grow up, I think their future can be very dark. I don't know without education, what kind of, what kind of future they're able to create for themselves or for the community. All Rohingya community want to educate, but we can't get it. Like they don't let us access to it. Like it was pretty hard for me to see in next to my village. There's another Burmese people village. Those all children able to go to school and they have a very access to everything. Like Rohingya people does not. It's like kind of dividing it. And it was pretty sad and emotional for me like even still now i feel terrible for my people i wish burmese government treat as a rohingya as the same as the burmese people instead of killing and shooting and treating as animals thank you is there anything else you'd like to add uh muhammad i want to say Thank you for the audience for like listening this. I wish like people who would be like supported to the in Rohingya community and helping them more. I'm not saying like help the financially or donating money. I want to say we have to create them like a long-term solution. We want to talk to the, our government to putting the as strong sanction to the Burmese military as possible. So this way they can uh, stop shooting and killing creating the violence in Burma and so that that's way like people can live peacefully and that would be like a in long-term solution 
who if we don't talk about it, if we don't find them solution to the Rohingya people, it should be like a big problem in the future because it's not like a thousand hundred people, it's like over million people. They need the help. We are like dying to be seen, like please helping the Rohingya people, whatever way you can. Thank you. Yeah, Laura, do you have any other questions? Um, yeah, I wanted to ask if, if you have built a, a community here with other people from Burma or if you have friends that might have gone through the same things as you or have you been able to create that support system uh, from people from your country? That's a wonderful question. I wish I know there's lots of people from Burma. I think they're pretty afraid. They don't want to share with their story because people believe that when I share my story, my family will be targeted. I have to do what I need to do and I have to fight for someone who needed. I believe that one day I will able to change something. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to, you know, speaking with us and, and sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was Mohammed Imran, currently a student in the U.S., speaking with KBCS's Laura Flores and Yuko Kadama in 2022. Since this interview, Imran's brother arrived in the United States as a refugee. For more KBCS stories and to support our work with a donation, you can visit kbcs.fm.